Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful, so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, Look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood and started to walk, and he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God and they recognised that he was the one who used to sit and beg at the beautiful gate of the temple complex. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to him. While he was holding on to Peter and John, all the people, greatly amazed, ran toward them in what was called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why do you stare at us as though we had made him walk by our own power or godliness? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked to have a murderer given to you. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in his name, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect health in front of you all. And now, brothers, I know, you have, I know that you did it in ignorance, just as your leaders also did. But what God predicted through the mouth of all the prophets that his Messiah would suffer he has fulfilled in this way. Therefore repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must welcome him until the times of the restoration of all things which God spoke about by the mouth of his holy prophets from the beginning. Moses said, The Lord your God will rise up for you, a prophet like me, from among your your brothers. You must listen to him in everything he will say to you. And everyone who will not listen to the prophet will be completely cut off from the people. In addition, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those after him have also announced these days. You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your ancestors, saying to Abraham, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through your offspring. God raised up his servant and sent him for you to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Jody. It'd be great if you can keep that open. Acts chapter 3, that's the one we're going to be looking at, at the, for the next little while. Um, one of the great things about the internet, which I'm sure you've discovered, um, is the way that we can find out all the terrible things that are happening in the world all at once. Isn't that great? You know, like there's something terrible happening on the other side of the world, and you can know about it like that. 
and you can find like news feeds that will give you whole lists of awful things that are happening. Doesn't that just make your day? It's fantastic. Technology. But it's true, isn't it? Because our world's a bit of a mess, isn't it? You, you kind of, I, I find myself reading through these lists of bad things in the news reports, and I, I find myself getting what I call compassion saturation. Do you know that thing where you can't care anymore? There's so much bad stuff happening. You can't care anymore. Do you find yourself getting angry sometimes? How is this happening? Why is this happening in the world? And the journalists know exactly uh, how to get that out of you. Uh, they do the kind of the human side, you know, the personal story. It's kind of, this is the, the mother and the father whose child was killed in this explosion. It's not just an explosion. These are the people. And that's right, isn't it? Because evil stuff is not just kind of big stuff happening out there. It's about people, individuals. And you and I know that, don't we? Because we've experienced it. We know the kind of the, the touch of evil in our own lives, the way life seems to kind of fall apart at times, the way we just feel the pain and the frustration and the loneliness and the sickness and the hurt and the loss. If it's not us, it's the people around us. The question is, is there any hope? Is there any kind of way forward? Where, where can we look to find a way forward in all of this? For ourselves and for our world, like individually, but also the whole world. Or if I can put the question a slightly different way, what's our source of life? What are we going to look to for, kind of, for hope and direction and change and to improve things? What's our source of life? Now, some, some of you good little Christian people are sitting there going, Jesus, good, very good. Verse 15, Jesus is the source of life. Well done. But really? Because when I hear about Boko Haram or something in Nigeria, I'm thinking, can't the UN do something about this? I look to the UN. When I hear about this kind of, you know, uh, addicted teenage parents in Sydney's southwest who are bringing up broken families and just kind of perpetuating this cycle, I'm thinking, can't we educate them? Like, education is the great answer. When my life is just kind of frustrating and hard, I'm thinking, I need a holiday. If I just had a little bit more money, then life would be a bit easier. They're all good things, right? But are they the answer? Are these things the, like the source of life, the ultimate things? My prayer is that tonight, we, as we look at Acts 3, would lean in on Jesus harder and harder and expect that he will be the source of life for us. Not just eternal life with God, kind of this spiritual thing, although that is the beating heart of it all, but also day-to-day -day living, that he is the source of life about how we live, inside, also outside. Um, I have a little summary sentence for Acts 3, uh, which we're just going to kind of work through and unpack. It's this. Holistic restoration is in Jesus' name. So repent and turn back for three restoration blessings. Now, Kira, we're just going to work through them one at a time, so if you can give us the first one, holistic restoration. Let's get into the story. Uh, we've got Peter and John. They're going to the temple to pray. They meet a lame man on the way, and he is in a terrible state. On the outside, he's got the leg problem. This is a big problem in the first century. But on the inside, he's got problems too. 
If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that the temple is the symbol of God's presence. And where's the guy? He's outside the temple. Outside. He's sitting by the beautiful gate. Now, there's an irony, isn't it? A beautiful situation. Not really. This guy's in a terrible state, on the inside and on the outside. Now, the first question we've got to ask about this, kind of, uh, this, this scene we're given here is, why on earth is it here? Uh, chapter 2, verse 43, tells us that the apostles were doing all sorts of signs and wonders. Why are we told this one? And I think the answer is because it's an excellent picture of our world. Just like this guy, our world's got issues on the inside and on the outside. Uh, we're not looking to God for eternal life, for connection with, with God. We don't look to Jesus for that. But on the outside, uh, we feel the work of evil. We feel pain. We feel we experience it in our lives. Where we've got trouble on the inside and the outside, just like this man. And so what does Peter tell us? Has he got answers for the man? Has he got answers for us and our world? Well, let's, let's keep reading. From verse 3, the man sees Peter and John and he asks them for help. Peter and John look right at him. They kind of have this connection moment. They say, look at us. And he looks up. He's expecting a bit of cash in the hand. And he gets a lot more than he was expecting, doesn't he? Read with me from verse 6. Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. And then taking him by the right hand, he raised him up. And at once his feet and ankles became strong. So he jumped up, stood, and started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Do you see we've got those two things come right together there? On the outside, his outside problem, which is his legs, that's fixed up straight away. He's restored. He kind of gets up, stands, he's kind of shaking around a little bit, and then he goes, kind of like a child walking for the first time, and off he goes. I can imagine him going, wow, look at these things. They're awesome. Thank you, God. So he's fixed up on the outside, but at the very same time, the very same sentence, verse 8, he walks into the temple. The symbolic presence of God. And what does he start doing? Praising God. So at this moment, we've got this holistic restoration on the outside, on the inside. This guy is set right. He's restored. Friends, we, um, we don't talk about that a whole lot of church. We usually just think about the invisible thing, don't we? The inside. Your, your connection with God. Which is, of course, the most important thing. The beating heart, salvation. But the Jews, when they, when they look forward to salvation, it was never just going to be invisible. It was never just in here. They were looking forward to a whole big change. Visible, physical Big changes. And that's, that's what we ought to expect as well. That God would change everything. The Jews were kind of looking forward to this great time where it would change holistically. And here we have a snapshot of that. That holistic restoration has arrived. And how? How's it arrived? Well, that's our second point. In Jesus' name. That's very clear, isn't it? Look with me again at verse 6. 
What does Peter says, say? He says, I don't have silver or gold. I'm kind of lacking here. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, verse 9, uh, like the people who, who, who knew this guy saw him walking around, leaping. Uh, is, that the, is that the same guy who used to sit? Wow! And they're amazed. And they just charge on in from everywhere to see this guy. But when they get there, they see, verse 11, that he's holding on to Peter and John. And so the crowd kind of comes in to look at him, and then they look at Peter and John, and then then Peter says, what are you staring at us for? Verse 12, he says, why are you staring at us as if by our power or godliness we did this? So who's it all about? It's all about Jesus, right? In his name, in the name of Jesus. In verse 16, he makes that abundantly clear. Verse 16, by faith in his name, the name of Jesus, his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. So the faith that comes through him, do you get it? It's Jesus has given him this perfect health in front of all of you. What what Peter's doing back there by calling on the name of Jesus is he's kind of saying, Jesus... Do your thing. Jesus, do the thing that you've always been doing. Do it. Because this is the Jesus thing, right? This is what Jesus does. When he was on earth, he came and he brought holistic restoration, didn't he? Drove out demons, healed the sick, restored people. And here he is just doing it again, restoring people. And so Peter just says, Jesus, do your thing here through me. I find this really exciting. What he's saying is, Jesus, you're still alive. I know you're still alive. Keep doing your work through me. This is actually what Acts is all about. If you turn back with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, the very first sentence, is exactly what we learn. Luke says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus. That, That was kind of about Jesus' life, Luke's gospel. I wrote the first narrative about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Do you get it? This second narrative is about what he continued to do. Jesus is still at work, living Jesus through his people to bring holistic restoration to this world. I find that exciting. Through us, his people. I'm sure you've seen that. I mean, I hope you've seen that. I've seen it so many times. Let me tell you one or two quick stories. Um, I met a guy a little while ago called Bob. Um, he's an older fella. He was a gambling addict and an alcoholic. Um, he uh, had arthritis, and um, because of his addiction, his hand was kind of shaped like he was holding the, the kind of, I don't even know what you call it, the lever on the pokey machine. Like he was stuck there because he did it all day, all day, these before buttons. Um, he had no relationships left because he just used people to get money out of them, to do his gambling and to buy his drink. And then he met Jesus. And the name of Jesus, he was changed. On the inside, he, he's just full of life now. This old guy, but he's full of life. His hand's getting better. His relationships, uh, he said sorry to people and they're getting better. He's become useful. A useful to society and not a waste of space. I, I have a friend named Peter who lives in Fairfield. He's a minister there. And he kind of gets annoyed about this in a joking kind of way. He meets people 
Uh, they get to know Jesus, and they get their life in order because they know Jesus now. They, they learn to live well, and they get enough money behind them, and they move out of Fairfield because who wants to live in Fairfield? Let's face it. <laughs> so they leave his church, and he gets a bit annoyed about that. It's, it's a bit of a joke, but yeah. I think it's kind of important, friends, that we let our friends know that Christianity works. We often talk about just the kind of the inside thing, relationship with God. Uh, they ought to know that if you become a Christian, life works better. It really does. It works better. It might not be easy, but it's full of goodness and it works. And not just for individuals, but for whole communities. I've been reading recently a few stories about some towns in um, South America, Southeast Asia and Africa. Um, places that were, you'd call them God-forsaken, I guess. Um, full of darkness and fear, poverty, uh, really places you don't want to be, violent places. And then the name of Jesus arrives in town. And seriously, in these places, within a couple of years or even months, they turn on their heads. Places of life. And peace, people sharing, become more prosperous. Because Jesus is the source of life. You can see it tangibly in people's lives and the lives of whole communities. This healing we've got here in Acts 3 is just a picture of that. It's just a snapshot of what's available to our world in Jesus. And you know what, friends? The church ought to be a snapshot of that as well. The people who have been restored to God, set right with God, and restored in how they live on the outside as well, by God's grace and his power. I don't know about you guys, I think that's exciting. The risen Jesus still at work through us on the inside and the outside, in individuals and in whole communities. Well, if that's true, we mustn't ignore Jesus. You mustn't ignore him. And that's our third point. So repent and turn back. Holistic restoration is in Jesus' name. So repent and turn back. I want you to read with me from verse 13 of chapter 3. And I want you to notice all these strange contrasts between how the people have lived and treated Jesus and Jesus himself and God, from verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he, this, this Roman ruler who was known for being pretty vicious, when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one. He was, he was holy and good. You denied him and asked to have a murderer given to you. What does that say about who you are? You killed the source of life. Get that contrast. You killed the source of life whom God raised from the dead. We are witnesses of this. This is crushing news for those people. What does it say to them? You've killed off the source of life. What does that say about your values, your way of life, your whole mindset? You've denied life 
what are you left with? Friends, this is, this is not just here in Acto. This is actually a picture of our world once again. Our world hasn't necessarily killed Jesus, but we don't look to him for life, do we? We don't kind of, uh, uh, kind of go down his paths of life. We reject him. We don't want him and his way of life. And I've got to ask, what does that say about our values and our way of life? We don't kill him, but we put him on the shelf. We think that his life, his way of life is unrealistic. It's outdated. It's irrelevant for my workplace and for my relationships. He's on the shelf. Our world is much quicker to turn to self-help gurus, self-help books, than to Jesus to find the way of life. Uh, this week, uh, sorry, last week, I, I uh, was watching this video online and this ad came up first and it was this self-help guru called Ty Lopez. Have you heard of him? Strange guy. Anyway, uh, so he's this kind of weird American guy and he gets out of his black Lamborghini and, and he goes, you like my Lamborghini? Well, I'll tell you what's more important is my, my five bookshelves to house my 5,000 books because I read a book every day. Learning is earning. Whatever. And he goes, I don't have the Lamborghini to show off. That's not why I have it. That's not why I bought the Ferrari before it or the Porsche before that. Are you serious? (laughs) It's it's to remind me. And I kept watching this thing. You know, you can skip the ad. But I kept watching. I thought, surely this is a joke? You know? I I watched right to the end. He He was for real. He was for real. I thought, but this is the kind of, we kind of turn to these people to tell us how to live. They tell us how to diet and how to, how to exercise and how to get ahead with our property and with our relationships. And we turn to all these people for help. And they tell us the same thing. They tell us, work harder, work smarter. It's not a source of life. That, that's, it's okay. Ty Lopez is 67 steps, steps to success. Seriously, 67. <laughs> that's Okay. But it's not ultimately going to change things. It's not the source of life for you, my friends. That's at an individual level, but also our world. We have a world which is so full of problems. What's going to change it? Where, where do we look to? What's the source of life for our world? Government. The government would step in and do something. Education. Improve technology. We need those rich philanthropists and corporations to give more money. That'll change things. Really? When God Most High is sitting there saying, I've shown you the way. Our passage says that God glorified his son Jesus by raising him from light to life. You know what God's doing with that? He's saying, hey, everyone, Jesus, you who? This is the guy. He's the life man. He came back from death. He knows all about life. Turn to him. And so Peter says, everyone repent, turn around. Verse 19, repent, turn back. They're kind of like the same thing, but he says it twice to make his point. Stop ignoring Jesus. Stop putting him on the shelf. Bring him into your life. He is the source of life. Both your connection with God, he forgives us our sin and gets us back in touch with God and gives us life eternal. 
And he shows us the way to live day by day in everything. So stop, repent, turn around. Repentance, I know, is not very popular. It's about as popular as walking on crushed glass, I think. You say to someone, you ought to repent. And they look at you as if you just said, the mothership has returned to take you home. They're like, what are you talking about? People want to hear, you can keep doing exactly what you're doing, thinking what you're thinking, loving what you're loving, and I've got Jesus, he'll give you some nice happy things to put on the side. That's what they want to hear. But Jesus says, and Peter says, repent. You've got to turn around. If you want to know the source of life, if you want him to bring life to you and change things, you've got to change the way you relate to him. He's the Lord, the source of life. Don't put him on the shelf. Don't ignore him. Peter says, if you want restoration blessings, repent. And that's not bad news, that's good news. Because he concludes by telling us that if we repent, there are three restoration blessings. Would you read with me from verse 19? Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out. That's, that's the first one. Your sins may be wiped out. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that's two. And that he may send Jesus, who has been appointed for you as the Messiah, Heaven and earth must welcome, sorry, heaven must welcome him until the times of restoration of all things. So I want to go through those three very quickly. When we repent, our sins are wiped out. That is great news. He is the source of life for our world and for us because when we repent, he wipes out our sin. I don't know how you've related to him, what you've done towards Jesus, how you've followed him. But if you repent, he wipes away your sin. Like a tear wiped away from your cheek, he just wipes it away. He won't remember it anymore. No more guilt. No more shame. It's freedom. I don't know if you need to remember that right now. Complete forgiveness in the Lord Jesus. The second thing is, when we repent, seasons of refreshment come from the presence of God. I reckon our world's pretty tiring, don't you? It's tiring living in a world that's kind of a bit cut off from God. It's because kind of knowing evil and frustration and pain, it's tiring stuff. Especially when the answer that the world holds out to us is, work harder, work smarter, push, 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 push. That'll get you ahead. It's tiring. But when Jesus becomes our source of life, well, it's as if, you know, it's a hot, humid summer's day and you've been for a run and you get home into the air-conditioned house and you pull out a soft drink out of the fridge, put your feet up and... You know, refreshment. That's what he's saying. Refreshment. In the face of a world that is hard work, Jesus says, it's okay. It's a good message. He says, it's okay. You're okay. He gives us his spirit of refreshment. And by the spirit we know we're his children. 
We don't have to keep slogging our guts out to kind of prove ourselves to this world or whatever it is we're trying to do, which we don't even know what we're trying to do half the time. We can stop slogging our guts out and know by the Spirit that we are his children. It's okay. We've got his tick of approval. We don't have to keep kind of working at things to make sure our future will be good. It will be good. We're God's children. He's at work to restore all things, and we will be part of that restoration. He gives us his refreshing spirit in anticipation of that. And that's the last thing. When we repent, we have this great expectation of the full restoration of all things when Jesus returns. As it says in verse 21, heaven has welcomed Jesus until the times of the restoration of all things. It's kind of like a theater. You know when you go to the theater and uh, there's kind of the wings on the side and they have sets kind of come in and out. I don't go to the theater much, but I understand this is how it works. It's as if at the moment what the set that is on stage is, is, is pretty rubbish. Like our world, it's, it's kind of good, but it's kind of rubbish at the same time. But Jesus is in the wings And he's ready to bring on his new creation, his restored creation, and get rid of the old. Restored creation. And I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the restoration of all things. This healing in chapter 3 is just a snapshot of that, like we've said. It's the photograph on the front of the holiday brochure. This is what your holiday is going to be like. This is a snapshot, this restoration of this man. This is what it's going to be like, friends. Restored to God. Restored physically. I reckon this is a wonderful hope. But as Peter says, you must repent if you want a part of it. Because the blessings are in Jesus. So if you don't yet know him, let me call you to repent. Turn to Jesus. Find life. He really has risen. He really is the Lord. And now is the time to turn to him. Peter quotes all these prophets at the end of his speech, which don't, make a, don't mean a lot to us. But what he's trying to say is, now's the time. Jesus is the man. Don't ignore him any longer. Repent. Turn to him. Verse 26, he says, God raised up his servant Jesus and sent him first to you and now today to us in this church right now to bless you by turning each of you from your evil ways, turning you back to Jesus. We have blessing that comes through repentance. Some of you are Christian here and you're thinking to yourselves, well, I don't know that blessing. I don't know the blessing. Let me say, firstly, yes, you do. You just don't realize. Secondly, are you repenting? Are you turning back to Jesus? Is he the source of life to you day to day? What are your hopes? Do your hopes include Jesus? Where are you, well, how are you hoping to get ahead in life? Does it include Jesus? Make him the source of life. Verse 6. In verse 6, Peter says, I don't have silver or gold, but I have something better, something more wonderful and more powerful. I just wonder, do we believe that? Do we have something more wonderful than money, more powerful than money, that can bring great change? We have the life-giving name of Jesus 
And friends, it's easy to miss this last point I want to make because it's so obvious, and that is this, that Jesus and blessing comes through his followers. That's us. Peter stood up in verse 12 and says, Why are you all staring at me as if it was by my power? What's the answer to that question? Well, because, Peter, you just healed someone. It might not have been your power, but you did it. Friends, we have that privilege. The risen Jesus working through us to restore his world on the inside and the outside through us. And so I encourage you, once you've repented, to speak his name and see lives change. Speak of Jesus and see lives change. Because he is the source of life for our world. May he bring life to our world through us. I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing together of that. Uh, God, we do want to thank you so much for your son, Jesus, the source of life. We are really sorry for those times when we reject him. We don't look to him for life. And we pray, please, that you would turn our eyes to him, uh, not just in big ways, but in all the little ways as well, every day and in every way. We pray that in him we would find life. Uh, Lord God, I do pray for those here who are still looking into Jesus, uh, that you would help them um, to see who he really is. Please help them to turn to him and find life. And I pray that for us who do know him, Lord, we would see how wonderful he is and we would speak him to the world. We pray you'd give us the joy of seeing lives transformed in Jesus' name. Amen.